0: Hi everyone, today I'm with Lauren O'Brien, who is the new VP of Marketing at Balto. Lauren is, the uh, Balto is the first real-time guidance for contact centers. And Lauren has over 10 years of experience building and leading marketing teams that drive revenue at high growth companies in B2B tech. Whether she's building data-driven demand gen engines, repurposing brands, or developing programs that promote client engagement and advocacy, She's always been inspired by the opportunity to lead positive change. Lauren has her uh, bachelor's and an MBA in marketing from Fordham University. She lives in Connecticut, but will always be a New Yorker at heart. Love that. Uh, She loves baking, hiking, and listening to podcasts, uh, but spends most of her free time these days chasing after her three-year-old. All right. Well, Lauren, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Anything that I didn't cover in that Intro that you'd like to to use and just to introduce yourself. Oh gosh, I
1: think you covered most of it. Um, like I said, you know, been in B two B tech for about ten years in various marketing leadership roles, and uh, can't see myself in any other space.
0: I know, I know the feeling on that. It's hard once you once you taste just the speed and the dynamic nature of, especially in the tech space, B two B, and SaaS. It's hard to it's hard to go back to anything else. So you were about three months into a new role at, at Balto. It was formerly Balto Software, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it's Balto right? AI. So now it's just Balto. And I remember the old domain was I think it was BaltoSoftware.com, but now Balto.ai. hmm So and looking at, at your past experiences um in your last couple of companies, it seems that you had risen you had risen through the ranks And had been promoted several times up to senior positions and now what appears to be uh, the situation at balto is you're coming right in as a vp of marketing to lead to lead a pretty large marketing effort in what i see is one of the most dynamic b2b SaaS categories out there how has that been Um,
1: pretty incredible so it's about five months now which feels like it's flown by but also been a long time in, in a really good way um and I think, you know, I was really intentional in thinking about what my next chapter was gonna be and the type of company and team and culture I was looking for. Um and Balto has, you know, been just a tremendous place to to take my, you know, next chapter here. The product market fit is incredible, the team is incredible. Um, And the view of marketing as a strategic role in driving growth is something that I think is just so important and refreshing and uh, excited to be a part of that.
0: Great. So I'm curious if you had any in the first, say, three months or so, did you have any first 100 days or first 120 days approach to that where you set some short term goals just to try to get yourself Acquainted and get things off the ground. Yeah, so I
1: definitely went in with a bit of a 90 day plan. And a lot of that is similar to you do for any role Mm -hmm. of just like really figuring out what's working, what's not working, where are there gaps. Um, Really at a startup high growth environment, a lot of what you're doing is figuring out how do you keep the momentum and continue to get that growth and scale. Um, and you know when I joined Balto, they had a really small nascent marketing team, but it was delivering a lot of pipeline and ops. So it was like, great. How do we do more of this? How do we do it in a more scalable way? Um, and what are some of the long term investments we need to start making that might not have that immediate payoff for you know pipeline and op production this month or next month? but are going to be really critical in order for us to maintain that 3x growth for you know, the next subsequent quarters and years. Um, and really identifying those quick wins and long-term investments that we needed to make was a key part of my focus, for sure, in the beginning.
0: Can you talk to me about the, the branding and the positioning of Balto? Because I've have, I have been looking at what you may consider the big competitors in the space. I might be wrong, but the names that come to mind are Gong, and chorus. Um, but how do you see how do you see the competitive environment and where do you all position yourselves in, in this yeah. space?
1: Yeah, so Gong and um, Chorus are tools that we would view to be, you know, what we really call post-call tools. And so, you know, they a lot of contact centers use them to really record calls, have analytics after the call has happened, and figure out what's working, what's not, what changes might they need to make. Um, and Balto's position with real-time guidance is that essentially that's a little bit too late. The call either has or has not been successful. It's over. There's nothing you can do to go back and change the outcome of that conversation, whether the agent got the sale on the call or they were able to overcome the concerns that a customer was raising and retain that customer or make sure they're satisfied. That either did or didn't happen, and so our focus is really on this concept of real-time guidance. And making sure that while agents are having these conversations live, they're getting the input and guidance they need to help ensure they can overcome objections that come up or remember key information that they're supposed to be communicating on a conversation. Um, And there's very few tools out there that let you do that in real time today, um, as opposed to, you know, the post-call solutions that are a little bit late. You know, we, we draw the parallel a bit to, you know, to be dramatic, you can think about would you rather have the autopsy or the diagnosis, right? Post-call is kind of the autopsy. The call was or was not successful. What are you going to do about it now? Versus really having more of a diagnostic, here are the issues, let's troubleshoot and uh, get to the best possible outcome.
0: I like that analogy. It's a little <laughs> bit morbid, but it is a it's good analogy. It's
1: dramatic for fact. Uh, early,
0: early detection. <laughs> Early detection and prevention certainly beats uh, the, the autopsy. You know, uh, what c- could have, would have, should have, if we had only done this. Exactly. Yeah. So this is really this is fascinating technology. It, it's it's clearly AI AI driven with with some some natural language processing. Does this tend to work best when you have a f- a fairly common types of objections that that get repeated a lot, where the system can just quickly recognize and then suggest uh, the best the best uh, response to that?
1: Yeah, I would say it's really sophisticated. So, you know, one of the examples we often go through as part of the sales process is you can imagine that in a certain sales conversation you're having, you might get an objection related to, you know, I need to check with my spouse on that. And somebody might use a dozen different terms or ways that they would refer to that type of objection. And Balto's AI is sophisticated enough to pick up on that, regardless of whether they say very specifically, I need to check with my spouse on that. You know, they might have a much more informal approach of saying, gosh, I don't know, my husband's out of town. I really need to talk with him. It will pick it up as an objection and surface that. Um, And then more Mm -hmm. importantly, on the flip side, you know, no one wants to feel like they're talking to a robot. So the the AI, you know, really enables the agents to make sure they're hitting certain keywords or phrases in response to that that are maybe the most important for them to hit. But it's not a you have to mm-hmm. have a scripted response and recite the you know this sentence verbatim in order for it to acknowledge that you've appropriately handled that objection because that's just not the way humans interact, right? Um, So I'd say it's certainly Mm -hmm. a a bit more sophisticated in how it handles that pattern of speech recognition on both sides of the conversation.
0: Yeah. Is this especially useful in particular industries? Are you seeing certain industries with uptake more than others? Yeah, so I think
1: we're seeing, you know, a lot of growth in uh, essentially contact centers that have a high volume of relatively transactional calls. So you can think about insurance, financial services, where, you know, if you're able to increase the conversions with 30% by 30% for the agent conversations, that might mean a huge impact on revenue because you're selling thousand dollar policies and getting 30% increase on that will have a really meaningful impact on your bottom line. Um, And what's unique about some of those use cases is, you know, for insurance, for instance, they're focused on how do they generate more revenue? How do they improve customer quality and satisfaction? And certainly there's a lot of applications for real-time guidance there. And then how do they ensure compliance and quality and, you know, respond to very real requirements, federal, state, otherwise, of what they should and should not be saying in conversations with customers. And today, many of these companies have to rely on, you know, doing a, sampling of 2% of calls and QA and listening to hours and hours of call recordings to figure out whether they're compliant, what mm-hmm. issues there might be. Um, and a tool like Balto enables you to have visibility into every call and really scale that process more effectively.
0: Yeah. I can also imagine that it really reduces the amount of follow-up time necessary when, let's say, a call agent would get a question about a, a regulation. They definitely don't want to say the wrong thing. So they'll say, hey, I'll, have to get back to you. Maybe I'll follow up with an email. But if they can get that answer provided to them in real time and deliver confidently and legally, um, well, then that's one less one less follow up they have to worry about with an yeah. email. So maybe are you're seeing also that there's it's helping cut down on the on the follow up. Yeah, I would time? say
1: it drives speed in two ways. One is exactly what you mentioned of you know reducing average handle time and things so that you know your customers aren't waiting on hold while your agent is like frantically searching control F through their training documentation and resources to find okay what was the response I was supposed to give for this particular scenario. The other way it handles speed is really if you think about you know the current process at contact centers today, they might have these post call analytics tools and they identify, okay, there's this objection that our agents are consistently missing. It takes them time to capture the data analyze the results, identify that's something they need to change, then they typically have to go back and revise their training materials and documentations and actually train their agents on that change. And then maybe they'll see there's an, a positive impact on the results that they're seeing. So it's really the path from knowing there's an issue, solving the issue, it can take quite a bit of time um and the value of something like real time guidance is it's much faster to just instantaneously be able to push out updated training resources and materials to your team for everybody to change as you're getting insight into what's working and what's not and where agents might need more support.
0: Do you have any statistics on what percent of the time the uh, either sales or support person is following the guidance of Balto in, in real time versus actually I don't know either. Intentionally uh, ignoring it, choosing to say something else, choosing choosing a different response. Yeah. Um, just just curious how people are actually using it. How often do they How often do they take the advice? Basically.
1: Yeah, it's a good question. So, um, you know, I don't think I have anything in the aggregate on that, but we do provide our clients with great visibility into by agent. You know, how often are they using the prompts that they're given? You know, a big part of contact centers is, you know, how do you get the top 20% of your agents? How do you get everybody else doing what they're doing, right? And you identify the people that Mm -hmm. are really not consistently following directions or need more support and make sure that they're, you know, better aligned with your expectations. And so we do have some pretty interesting reporting and analytics that will show you, well, here's what your top performers are doing. So let's, you know, find ways to scale that to everybody else. And here's what some people maybe aren't doing in the way that you would expect, and how do you really hone in on those and coach the right behavior change
0: and in general are are you all getting feedback from sales and customer support people that they they feel like they can do their job better they, they can earn more yeah. commission
1: yeah, absolutely, so we get it's really there's a few examples that come to mind that we got even just recently, so there was one agent that um, works in a collections company. And he unfortunately was in a position that was furloughed when COVID hit, as many were. And he came back to work a few months later and he thought, oh my gosh, how am I gonna remember everything that I'm supposed to be doing? I haven't been on the phones doing this for a few months. And he found that with Balto there as kind of his little coach in his back pocket, he was just so confident in being able to get just right back up on the phones and delivering at the same quality that he was previously because he had the coaching and guidance there to support him. Um, And we also just heard an example of another agent that had been highlighting to us that they were getting better and better at their job and they were getting promotions and they were seeing that you know, their quotas were improving and they were actually earning more money because they were able to sell more effectively in using Balto, which is you know, always wonderful to hear.
0: I'd like to, to shift over to a conversation around mergers and integrating teams and brands because I do understand that that's something also that you have, you have experience with. Can you tell us about what's, what's happening? Yeah. So, um,
1: in my past role at Watermark, I um, in the span of two years, we had uh, six mergers and acquisitions. So it was a pretty wild ride to think about in that two-year time period. How do we really successfully bring all of these companies together, um, and integrate them to, you know, serve a broader purpose and have this bigger vision as a company of the category we're looking to create. How do we really craft that message position and brand in a way that's going to align with the growth strategy that we have in mind for bringing all these companies together? Um, And certainly a lot of just the hard work of bringing disconnected teams and processes and systems all together under one org was a pretty incredible journey.
0: And what what kind of team are you managing now at, at Balto?
1: So at Balto, I have a team. I oversee both marketing and partnerships. So we have a referral partnership program, As well as our marketing team, and it's a team of about eight today, and continuing to grow for sure. And that covers, you know, demand gen, content, design, and then uh, some partnerships managers that are continuing to, you know, lead our business in that area.
0: And how do you approach the team building aspect um, when there's probably there's a wish list of things that maybe not even a wish list, but things that you know that you need to be doing or channels that you need to be covering, and you probably don't have um everyone all of those roles filled how do you go about building building that team and considering options for either insourcing or outsourcing yeah. different parts of different pieces of the puzzle yes
1: there are a few areas that i think you can so outsource really effectively especially where you have to make trade-offs in the short term and there are some areas that i always feel like you have to have in house depending on your strategy and the company obviously so for me i really think it's important to have content in house and really build the right resources there. Because for us, we're looking to build a category. We have to really help educate the market on that and have the right conversation with them where we're adding value to the conversation and really demonstrating we understand their needs and the challenges they're facing. And we're helping them do their jobs more effectively with the content we're producing along those lines. And so. I think doing that with external resources can be incredibly difficult because there's such a learning curve and getting up to speed on the markets and the personas and our tone of voice. And so doing that in-house is something that we're building the capacity to do today. Um, I found you can really effectively bring on the right external partners with things like your website, hosting, design, CRO, SEO work, where you know really it can be difficult to have the right team internally that has the expertise they need across all of those areas and where you often can really benefit from the right strategic partner that specializes in SEO and is spending all day thinking about what's happening in Google and the algorithms and how to continue to optimize for that. So that's an area that I've tended to really outsource and have the right strategic partner, um, to augment the work that we're doing.
0: How about for the, for the, uh, advertising channels, uh, Google and Facebook, LinkedIn, and others. Uh, what's, what is your, your overall approach there with, with both the team and yeah, the strategy? Yeah, so that has
1: been a really core channel for us. We've actually generated the majority of our marketing pipeline from paint social, pain search campaigns. It was responsible for really continuing to drive the strategy there. Um, But we do partner with a group that helps manage a lot of that paid media campaigns. And again, they are really benefit from seeing this across multiple clients and what's working effectively and some of the best practices of how to get the most output out of LinkedIn and how to really optimize those campaigns effectively. Um, So we're working with a group called Refine Labs on that.
0: And I imagine that uh, you're trying to ultimately generate leads for for demo calls, i um, I don't see any on the website. I don't see any self service channels where people can just get started on their own. Is that intentional? You you want to make every sale through through demo calls?
1: Yeah, so that's been our strategy to date. I think there's a lot of really interesting conversations happening now around. You know, product-led growth and really transforming the way we engage with buyers because I think we can all agree there's often way too much friction in the buying process, especially for B2B where you feel like we're going down this path of death by PowerPoints and you're going to have a conversation with an SDR and then maybe eventually you'll talk to an AE and they'll probably give you three pitches on a PowerPoint before you ever see the product. and That's obviously a frustrating buyer experience and I think as a business, you start to see real issues in your conversion rates as people drop off in that process and just aren't engaging effectively. So we're definitely having some conversations about how we optimize um, our approach and really add more value in streamlining the buying process and journey. We're not quite at the point where we're able to make it self-serve where people see the tool immediately on their own. But we do show Balto in the first sales call because it, you know, with something like real-time guidance, the magic isn't seeing it. And so our account executives on their first call will have it up and show you how it's interacting as they're having a conversation. And it tends to really be a pretty impactful moment for a lot of buyers in the process to just see that and, and really understand the value it
0: could have. Do your own sales reps use Balto?
1: Uh, yes, so we... Yes, so bonos? our um Chris Kim, our head of sales development, will say we do eat our own dog food at Balto as you'd expect of a company named Balto. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so uh they do use Balto as part of the, the sales process.
0: That makes that expression it, all the more does, relevant, doesn't yes. it? Yes. <laughs> eating eating That's your own right. dog food. <laughs> I, I have I have to ask this question now since we're on the, the logo. But what is uh I, I what's the meaning of the of the name? Uh, what's the origin and, and the logo? Yeah, I do. You know? So it's a
1: really a pretty incredible story and actually something that caught my attention when I joined Balto. Um, so, you know, obviously you, you might be familiar with the heroic Balto dog and the journey to bring life-saving medicine, you know, thousands of miles away. Um, and what's really mm-hmm. interesting and what our founders, Mark and Chris, thought about in the name is, you know, the part of what Balto and the dog sledding team accomplished in that journey is they were meant to augment what humans couldn't do on their own, right? You had the musher and you had the the you know the people that were involved in driving that dog sledding team, but there were some things that Balto and the dogs were doing and sniffing out the trail in the sense that they were bringing to that journey that a human just isn't capable of doing. We just don't have the skill sets, right? And so what we really like to think about at Balto is that AI should really serve that role. We're not trying to replace humans in a way that a lot of other AI tech is of, okay, let's just get rid of the humans entirely, get efficiencies, stand up robots. It's really acknowledging that as humans, we have some weaknesses and deficits in areas where AI can really augment that. And help us perform at a higher level and really be that guide in the same way that Balto was a guide in the journey he led to really help humans accomplish something pretty exceptional.
0: That's a great great story. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about, about customer marketing and I was curious as well, obviously I can see the direct applications for both support and sales. How about for marketers? Is there a use case for marketers for Balto?
1: Yes, I think um, one that we see often with some of our clients is really thinking about how to fully facilitate that customer loyalty loop and how, you know, if you're having a conversation with a customer in a, you know, customer service or customer support role, how can you remember to take that added step of you know, asking them if they're willing to leave a review or giving them that kind of breadcrumb of helping to build your business and your profile? It's a small step that many companies incorporate into their process, but often gets missed. And that's something that we've seen a lot of our clients implement to make sure that you know, where you have customer support and service professionals that are interacting with so many of your customers, you're really thinking about how to leverage them as the best you can, you know, maybe there's not just marketing opportunities, but sales opportunities that you can help uncover of where you can help upsell a client or add more value to how they're using your product today because you uncover that as part of a support call that you're having. And you might just not have the right framework of how to navigate that conversation if you don't have something like real-time guidance.
0: Gotcha. I wanted to ask, I want to dig a little deeper into content marketing you did mention that this is one of the uh, really one of the essential functions that needs to be in-house because really it's about thought leadership and, and, um, displaying that expertise. Now in the, in the space that you're in, you're, it seems like you're trying to carve out a new, a new niche of, of real-time, of real-time coaching and real-time guidance. Uh, clearly if you write about general sales, um, There's just an enormous amount of competition when it comes to content marketing about sales coaching tips and all all that. How do you figure out how to decide on topics that you can actually both compete for organically and also demonstrate thought leadership? Yeah,
1: Uh, it's a great question and certainly not an easy challenge, I don't think, for any company. Um, Something that we really focus on is, you know, staying as close to our customers as we can and really understanding their challenges and their pain points and using that to inform how we develop content. Um, We also tend to focus really on that specific lens of contact centers and not just sales generally and best practices around sales generally but what that looks like in a contact center environment and the types of interactions you're having. And that's really different than, you know, selling tech that you're doing over six months. Um, there's a lot of different applications to how you would approach that process. Um, so it's really the more you understand your buyers and align your content with that, the more effective it's going to be.
0: Mm-hmm. And. Are there any, I, I have spoken to other SaaS category creators and and what we find works is to try to find adjacent, the so-called adjacent intent. So if people are not that aware yet that there is, there is the true real-time guidance software that can in the moment help you succeed, help you overcome objections, del- deliver the right answer. But because the awareness is not there they might be looking for something that's maybe more post call analysis or they might be looking for even just maybe just call recording uh call recording and transcription software or something like that these so-called adjacent categories do you find that that's an area where you can uh, that you you can approach those adjacent categories to, to create awareness and then try to develop content around, around yeah, that? Yeah, I think
1: that, that absolutely has to be part of the strategy, especially if you're in an area where there's a lot you have to do to educate buyers on the problem and thinking about it differently. You know, it's not necessarily something a lot of people are searching for today, although I will say we did just um, complete our first, you know, baseline measure of brand awareness aided and and, and aided and found that actually people are much more aware of the concept of real time guidance than we had originally expected. And Balto is part of that. So I think a lot of the work that we've been doing over the last year has really helped to drive that forward. So it's becoming less of a barrier than what we've seen previously.
0: Mm -hmm. -hmm And are you doing um, as part of your overall content strategy, can you describe the mix of different types of content? Or are you focusing more on, let's say, written content, like blog posts or white papers versus video? Or other formats?
1: Yeah, so I'd say all of the above. And we're still really early and expanding this now as I'm building the team out. But, you know, I like to take more of an audience view of saying, you know, I've told the team before, like, I'm never going to have you all sit down and say, okay, great, let's plan. What are the webinars we're going to do this year? What are the blog posts we're going to write this year? Instead, we really need to be thinking about, okay, who's the audience we're focusing on for this particular campaign? What are their challenges and pain points? What's the right message that we need to deliver to them? What are the most effective ways to reach them and communicate that message? And that might be a mix of video and blog content and white papers and webinars. But really having that lens as opposed to just focusing on the medium and getting the right volume of content in that medium, um, I found is an important shift to make.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And of course, I noticed that that Mark Bernstein has a podcast called Reimagining the the Contact Center. And I I can say from our experience here that podcasting is, I mean, not only is it a great way to build brand awareness and an audience, but also just for content because podcast content can be repurposed in so many ways, Um, audio, video, and in written formats. It can be chopped up For social media as well but how are you all how are you all using podcasts and in particular that podcast to drive
1: yeah i would say exactly as you just described so a lot of this is you know really trying to contribute to the conversation Um, And bring in really, believe you'd be incredible speakers that have different perspectives on contact centers and the transformation they're seeing in contact centers. Um, And there's tons of opportunity, as you said, to use that content outside of the podcast. We're making a lot of videos that we're posting on LinkedIn and in other forums. And we found that, you know, even just a few months in, that's been really effective at extending our reach driving more traffic and conversions and interestingly enough has already influenced one or two deals that we're aware of, which is much faster than we would have expected for something Mm -hmm. like this, which is really more of the long game that you're playing.
0: Mm -hmm. So Lauren, who is your ideal customer persona in a contact center? I I assume it's got to be someone in the, uh, in management, but who's, who's the ideal role that you'd like to, to do that demo with? Mm
1: yeah so the individual you mean the person like the key person we're reaching
0: yeah yes the the ideal customer. The ideal customer profile, the Yeah, the so the,
1: we think of that. well, so there's the kind of account itself and the type of organization we're looking for, which tends to have, you know, high volume transactional sales. The conversations they're having at their contact center are typically B2C focused. Um, and they typically have, you know, more than 10 agents at their contact center. because so we're looking to drive that scale across a large team. Um, within that, the individuals we're focusing on, really one of the, the core personas is um, VP or leadership of operations. And the reason being that, you know, Balto really has applications across multiple areas of the business with sales, with customer success, with compliance. Um, And so that individual is often looking more holistically at the contact center operations and where it can add more value um, across those areas. And then certainly we also work very closely with leaders within each of those domains that are focused specifically in sales or customer experience or compliance related areas at the contact center. Um, But the operations leaders tend to really be looking holistically across those and has been a focus for us.
0: Mm-hmm. Can you all support any languages other than English?
1: Yeah, today? so that's something that we're working on today. We're primarily English. We're introducing Spanish this year, and then we'll be continuing to expand to other languages.
0: Oh, that's yeah. exciting. In in my part of the world here, Bulgaria and Romania, uh, the neighboring country, uh, there's a especially a, a pocket of multilingual uh, contact, uh, contact centers here. And... Um, because serving all of all of the primary European languages in a relatively low cost region of the EU, it's it was an ideal fit. I'd say even more so in Romania than in Bulgaria. And I was just curious if uh, Balto someday will be uh, really a multilingual solution for for multilingual contact centers um, in places like Europe or, or other 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 places where you you have a relatively dense. Dense populations of different languages, languages yep, being spoken. Absolutely,
1: something we'll be expanding in the future.
0: Mm-hmm. That's great. And so, what what new marketing initiative are you most excited about starting up in the next three months at Valter?
1: Um, So, I would say there's a lot of work we're doing right now, really digging into some of that category design work and really doing the soul searching to think about, you know, where. Where does Balto fit into this ecosystem? And what is the ultimate problem we're really solving for our customers? And how do we really refine our brands, our positioning, our messaging, and everything to be really aligned around that to show that we're doing things differently and that real-time guidance really does have a separate purpose from a lot of the solutions that exist today. So that's a really exciting initiative that obviously will drive all kinds of additional marketing initiatives in the coming year.
0: Do you imagine that within a couple of years, there will be practically no call center or contact center who's not using either you or someone like you? I mean, it seems like this is going to be something that becomes table stakes at some point where you'd be at a disadvantage not to have a real-time guidance software driving. Do you think that that's the, the world will look like that in the, in the next few years?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think for one, we really have to think about, you know, contact centers aren't going anywhere. They're continuing to play an increasingly important role in the way we all operate as a society and the interactions we have. And so mm-hmm. it's going to become increasingly important for them to think about how they add more value, how they're generating more revenue, they're maximizing their efficiencies, you know, there continues to be really key challenges that contactors face around agent engagement and attrition and all kinds of factors that really make that difficult. Um, And what we're finding with a lot of our customers is the impact this has for them to move more quickly, not only just drive better business results like increasing revenue or improving CSAT scores or audit scores, but can make them move so much faster as an organization that I think it really does increasingly become a competitive advantage and something that you know if you're able to implement change at scale across your whole contact center in the matter of you know hours with a tool like Balto versus it could take you weeks if you're doing this with still the old way of training and documentation and post call solutions it's i think the gap is going to continue to grow between the companies that have that advantage and those
0: that don't. Yeah. I imagine if my, if my competitors are, are using a solution like this and I'm not, um, I'm, I'm going to be in trouble soon, most likely. You mentioned something interesting there that I, I also hadn't really considered, which is the employee onboarding process. I guess I imagine that also that happens so much faster when you don't really have to try to cram all that knowledge into their heads at the beginning if you can just serve up that knowledge in real time, contextually, um, you can, you can get a new hire with the with the headset on. I don't know, maybe several days or weeks earlier than you know than you normally otherwise would be able to do. I remember being when we started our agency, we were partnering with a contact center, a multilingual contact center here in, in Sofia, Bulgaria, and I remember seeing all the the new hires and the onboarding training sessions. And it was so extensive and they would go usually a couple of weeks of, uh, yep. pretty intense training before they were even allowed to take their first call. And I remember thinking, wow, this is really pretty risky. I mean, this is a major investment they're making before a person can, can be even somewhat productive. Yep. And, um, now that was a little while ago, probably 12 years ago that I had that observation, but I, I guess they're kind of still doing the same, the same types of, Yes, they
1: absolutely are. Um, And, you know, there's interesting data on that, too, that you may have seen where, you know, there's the Ebenhaus theory that essentially says, you know, agents or anybody trained on information like that, they forget about 59% of it after the first week. So you can just imagine the time investment in spending weeks in classroom training with a cohort of agents, getting them on the phones. And within one week, they've forgotten 59% of what you've taught them. And then mm-hmm. you're in that kind of vicious cycle of retraining, they forget, retraining, they forget. Um, and it's not really solving the core issue at hand, unfortunately. Um, we did our own survey actually of over a thousand agents asking them, like, what are the key drivers that are leading to you making mistakes on calls? And only about a third of them said it was related to training, that they weren't trained on how to handle a situation or the training wasn't effective. In many cases, they're saying the training is helpful, but two-thirds of the time they're forgetting the training, they're getting nervous on the call, they're getting bored on the call, and those are things that training just isn't going to solve for. You have to have a different approach for addressing that.
0: Yeah. I, I'm I'm thinking about the, the analogy of just cramming cramming for a big test the night before and then you know maybe you're able to just get uh, the 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 day of the test maybe you're able to still retain a lot of it and, and just dump it but then i don't know one or two days later it's it's gone and um you know it would be almost as if if balto w- would be with you on that test just giving you the answers <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> i mean that's maybe that's not the best but then you know you don't need to cram anymore i mean you just have it's kind of like now. Um, I can't imagine that in history classes today, students would be required to memorize the dates of different events because, you know, well, we have Google now. I mean, why, why do you need to memorize that yeah. stuff? So, yeah, I mean, it's just really applying some of that um, those same concepts now to a call center environment. If the knowledge, if the knowledge is already on hand and, and currently it's, it's buried in some kind of documentation that you have to dig out well and just surface it and deliver it in real time. And don't don't over rely on trying to cram all the knowledge into people's yep. heads. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I guess, the, mm-hmm. well, thank you too. And I uh, look forward to, to getting this episode out there. And, and thanks for the time spent, Lauren. All right.